This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za. This is now just a bit more than a year ago when our national lockdown in South Africa started. It has certainly taken a toll on a lot more than just the economy. Yeah, we heard about the emotional toll and the devastating effect it had on spouses and partners in committed relationships. And also from, we have heard these things from our friends and many of our, the therapists and counselors that we know. Mm. We also experience it in our own practice. Mm. Therefore, we decided to explore these challenges and to look at ways to cope with them and how we can make our relationships more resilient in stressful times. Mm. Last week, we were able to speak to Pastor Paul Hosen, uh, a pastor of One Hope Church in Stellenbosch. So if you happen to miss that, uh, be sure to get to the podcast on the Cape Pulpit website and, um, and have a listen to it. Very good. This week we'll be speaking to Cory Davidson, a clinical social worker who specializes in addiction, codependency, trauma and relationship counseling. Cory has been working in these fields for many years, and when we came back from America, she was the first therapist we got a referral to go to. Since then, we have met many people she had helped. She still journeys with those struggling with addictions, hurts and hang-ups, and habits they struggle to shake off. She also works with partners of addicts and sees them um, as couples as well. Welcome, Cory. Thank you. For this privilege and this opportunity, Suki and Friedrich, yeah, yeah, nice to be here. Yeah, thank you very much, Corey. So, um, Corey, I mean, in these times and especially during the pandemic, um, what are some of the things that you've seen and learned over the years uh, working as a therapist with your clients? Well, uh, Friedrich, I think I want to start to say that um, in general, I find that. This that presents itself as a devastating in our lives, um, the the shock maybe of finding out about addiction, finding out about secrets, mm. finding out these things that we never wanted to hear or see, that um, in the broader context that these, this can become the springboard for new beginnings in our life. Now, when we're in the middle of the crisis, of course, that's absolutely impossible. Mm. I always um, use the example of when there's been a self fire mm. and it literally destroys everything around you. You stand there and it's just grey and ash and you, you cannot perceive that this landscape will ever recover. Mm. But we know with the first rains there will be a change and mm. then you get growth that we haven't seen for years and that is what I have found in the field. There's many, many hidden blessings. Very encouraging. Mm. And it, it reminds me, as you were talking about the fires, of how important the fires are for the proteas uh, oh, down here mm. in the Cape where we are broadcasting from um, and how it actually brings them to life and it germinates those seeds and a lot of beauty comes after the fire and with the rain. But fires and, are devastating, and, right? It doesn't always feel that way while it's happening. Yeah, and also the heat, that there's a certain amount of heat. Mm. So that's the incredible discomfort and trauma and 
the gnashing of the teeth, the, the just how God have you forgotten me and, you know, the job in us that comes alive. And so that is not pleasant. Um, yeah, that's the heat that is needed sometimes for, tra- for mm. change. And I think that this pandemic has brought a lot of heat, <laughs> mm. you know, just with the uncertainties, the insecurities, and that we didn't know what was going to happen. We still actually don't know what's, hap- what's going to happen. Mm. And I know in times of great stress and security, uh, insecurities, a lot of old habits and st- uh, of those old patterns sometimes come to the fore. And I'm sure a lot more people have been knocking on your door um, also during the pandemic as they started struggling with these issues. Can you share something with us? Yes. Um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a two-sided um, knife, really. <laughs> the one side is the distress that's come out. And surprisingly, the other side is some blessing that has happened. Mm. I, I personally have been quite encouraged by how many people came to me and said, Corey, we feel so guilty, but we can say this to you, that this has been the best thing that could have happened to our family, Mm. because it's the pandemic has forced us, we didn't have a choice, it forced us to relook everything, and that the pandemic meant that we had to face one another. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't easy, but we've had very good quality time as a family. Mm. So, so there were those responses and gratitude. Mm. Of course, there's also the other side, and that's, I think, what we're going to talk about now. Hey? One of the things that I've found is that people with underlying, um, let's say, psychiatric um, vulnerabilities, mm. anxiety, depression, um, paranoia, these people really, really, really struggled. Um, and it was very isolating and lonely. Mm-hmm. So when there was already a pre-existing condition, or maybe people didn't know, and it just pushed them over the edge, mm-hmm. um, our, our vulnerable population groups um, really needed the extra encouragement. Mm-hmm. Corey, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking just before you continue, we always talk about pre-existing conditions when it comes to the pandemic, uh, the, the virus itself. And isn't it interesting that these pre-existing conditions, even in the absence of people struggling personally with the virus, already affects them because in an emotional way it's coming to the fore, even if they don't physically have the virus, but mm. it's, it's still they're more heavily affected. Absolutely, Suki. And then, of course, as we know, the concern for our loved ones, now the the elderly, the young. But then also, if I have a family member with an addiction um, and, you know, um, not knowing how they're going to cope, not knowing how they're really doing, because one don't have that connection um, after regularly seeing each other. Mm. That has been a stress factor for many family members mm. um, where there's been separation. Um, so a difficult, a difficult time to breach. Um, also, you know, I, was, um, I, I didn't have this in my practice, but I was very concerned about the sudden stop of the alcohol provision mm. for mm-hmm. those who did not prepare and have an, um, an addiction. Exactly. Um, I was very concerned. How did those people cope? Uh, because not everybody can go into cold turkey. Mm. 
but I, I haven't had that in my practice that people came forward with that. Um, mm. I think the black market kicked in very quickly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> it is so. I, I hear you saying, Corey, that we also spoke about in our previous week with uh, with Paul, Pastor Paul, is that um, not really knowing how people are doing. Um, and I think, you know, we, are, we spoke last week about uh, how in a congregation or in a church community people are not really able to see and know how each one is doing. But that is very often even the situation in a, in, in a relationship where a, a partner mm. and their couple, um, during stressful times, they actually don't really know what is happening in each other's heart because there is no mm. intimacy and that intimacy often comes in with the addictions. And um, there are so many uh, addictions or things that people can fall into. So um, what are the things that they, can, that, that they can do to get past this? Because I, you know, I, in my, while I was in active addiction to process, in a process addiction, I had to do some very intentional and continuous recovery work so that I can move into healthier relationships. Um, so what, are the, what have you found in some of your clients? Yeah, yeah. I, I think people really struggled with um, if there was a disconnect in the marriage, mm. in the partnership, that that became enhanced, mm. that one didn't really have a lot to say to each other, that there, there wasn't the distractions of normal life. And mm. I think that's the big thing. Mm. So um, also if the person, uh, we're talking here about the addict, is used to detaching in this time, it will become more painful for the so-called non-addict, the partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the person is really, well, this is both for, for both partners, um, I think this is a time of really using journaling to at least express um, the thoughts, the feelings, to oneself and to God. And then, of course, the healing is when I can share that with somebody else. Mm. I mean, preferably with our partner. Um, but you are quite right, Frederick. It's what is my intention? And, and unfortunately, we didn't all have a time to say, because we never knew it was going to be so long, what is our intention? How are we going to use this time? Many of us were caught out. And mm. so the the days went into weeks, into months, and um, some are looking back and say, w- what happened? What happened to us in this time? So we need to be very intentional and present in the relationship with the other. And I mm. think that's the starting point. Mm. Especially... Checking uh, in. Yes, mm. Mm. yes. Very important. Uh, we had specific moments, like in the morning and at night, we kind of framed our days by certain, mm. doing certain rituals, reading something together, reflecting together in the evening before we went to bed as well. But I think another thing that brought a lot of stress on relationships is normally um, we have, a, like, like you said, we have a lot of other things that we do. And often now couples got almost, can I say, caught up together in sometimes very small spaces. Some of our friends told me that they were, you know, because they normally work, they don't have a very big home or a house, maybe younger, the younger couples. And um, 
they they did not have the releases that they normally had. You know, they couldn't go out to the movies. And so that caused, um, and um, I've heard again and again how important it is for every couple, even individual person of the couple, to have contact with with quite a few people outside of that coupleship. Mm. How did that mm. affect the, um, the yeah. whole situation? I, yeah, it's, yeah. Mm. Mm. Maybe, you know I, what, Corey, maybe we can do this after the break because I just saw it's time for us to, okay. to listen to some music and we'll be back right afterwards. Okay, thanks. Thank you. So, Corey, just to say in short, uh, to uh, repeat the question again that we started talking about before the break, um, tell me people in confined spaces where people didn't have all the distractions of life and all the other outlets often experience a lot of, you know, because for our relationships to be healthy, we need a lot of other input. And they had the whole situation of just being together with one another. What is your experience? How did that influence relationships? Mm-hmm. I I, um, I just want to step one step back and just because I'm so, I don't want this to get lost. You know, mm. so, so you talk about rituals and I think uh, forming new rituals in our families because it's so important because those are the memories for the future. Mm. So um, looking at new memories, looking at new rituals as family, where the whole family enjoys it, mm. uh, is, is very important for our future. The second thing that you're talking about is I think that the technology overtook us because we didn't have a choice. The problem being that everything was being done through technology. Mm. So we have the screen and our whole life, our work, our social connection, our um, everything, everything, even our shopping, yes. everything mm. was is online. Mm-hmm. So we live in one room. And I think that reaching out is important, but I definitely got people that was very fatigued, especially if we're not the IT types. Mm-hmm. And we don't like the electronics. People were very fatigued after the, the Zooms and the Skypes. Mm. Being out in nature and doing something together in the garden, having some project together, whether it's home renovation or something that we do as a couple that we decide together. I can't tell you how many people had decluttering. They, they did a lot of decluttering mm. their homes in this time. Mm. But the internet gave us that opportunity and one of the big things is of course meetings the 12-step meetings that are now available online mm. and that's been a huge support mm. and people were able to meet a bigger world than just their own group um, their local the localized group so people could uh, now go into meetings anywhere in the world joining so many nationalities and I think that brought a lot of strength and availability of resources into our lives, whether you are the partner or whether you're the addict mm. or the family. Mm. Absolutely. That's been one of the gifts. Mm. And also things we haven't thought about before, because maybe they mm. were available, but because we were having these other physical outlets, 
we never thought about. And maybe we we live in a small little town where they, where we wouldn't have access to mm. these things. And then suddenly, when there were struggles, people realized, but you, there is something online. I can do that. And I, my experience is that some people still continue with that now, even afterwards, because people had become aware of the fact that it is actually a possibility. Mm. I, I, yeah, I do find that I think I think that we're going to have the online meetings and support is going to continue. Mm. Um, some people will always prefer the face-to-face, but um, if we just think of the time that we save, the money that we save, and just the variety that we can get online. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, it's very important what you are saying, uh, Corey, about the technology. And I think uh, the pandemic is a strain for people, uh, couples, where there is no addiction involved, but 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 perhaps mm. only distractive habits. Um, but in families or in coupleships where there is an addiction, uh, the pandemic has had a devastating effect. And especially in situations where the addict is not reaching out, to all the different avenues where there can be support. But they are using technology to actually fuel their addiction and uh, causing further and further uh, division and, uh, and, and disconnect between themselves and their partner or their spouse. So what are uh, what are steps could uh, the partner or even the addict themselves put into place or take to make this uh, a healing time instead of a devastating time. Yeah, I, I think this is a very important point you bring up, Frederick. And um, because yes, if my addiction was gaming or porn or other internet-related um, process addictions, mm. whatever kind of addiction, then I have now legitimate access even mm. in my home to lose myself completely Mm. um, into this um, electronic systems. And yes, we have seen that as well, that people, um, either they live alone and there's just no boundaries and they get into that that field of Mm. of where they really zonked out Mm. and uh, because there's not the structure anymore from you know, I have to mm. be at work at a certain time and other people will see me that I haven't shaved or that I haven't dressed properly. Mm. Um, so, yes, that, I think, has been has brought a many a person to the point where they realize I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting deeper and deeper into my addiction. So one of the things as, as a couple is would be important to look at um, what is, where does the, the screen fit into our life? And uh, so if my partner has a problem with screen time, uh, we recommend that the screen be moved into a public space where everybody can see mm-hmm. uh, what is on the screen. Also, that we don't take our um, instruments, our um, iPads, uh, tablets and mm-hmm. our phones mm-hmm. into the bedroom or into the bed uh, because that is very disconnecting for the partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, time uh, screen time is important what, uh, because that uh, light of the screen activates the brain. Mm. Uh, and uh, when it gets to sleep time, we really have to detoxify ourselves from all that input during the day. So, um, yeah, um, 
one needs to be very practical with these things. Um, it reminds me of the time with Eskom and how in the beginning we were all so struggling. And then later I found I treasured that time when electricity was off, when I could read with my headlamp. And I read more in that time than watch TV and how good that was for me. Mm-hmm. I, I really started reading again. So um, I think um, structuring um, screen time is mm-hmm. very important mm-hmm. um, because yeah. it can become quite a um, vegetative that we go into. It seems to me that technology has put the potential there to escape from reality, to enter into a fantasy world mm. for mm. either of the partners and away from the current uh, real realities and not using those realities to actually enhance and uh, improve and grow in the, in the relationship. Yeah, and so we all have this choice. This is now the time. We have to face into me, you see, is your, is your program's name. It is time for us to do it now because the circumstances is perfect. Mm. We're not going to get a more perfect time, really, to work at it. Um, and it can be without um, distraction. Mm. It's not a lot mm. that distracts us. Mm. Um, but of course, that's a that's a choice. It's not an easy choice to make because mm. it's awkward in the beginning when we don't know how to do the intimacy, how to initiate, or how to be present. Mm. How does a person see? You, you were talking about see into me, um, mm. into ourselves. A person who has never done that. What could help yeah. a person like that too to see into themselves, yeah. like you were mm. saying? You know, I recommend for couples the, the following because th- that checking into myself and then sharing it is, is, is a very important. So what I recommend is that couples have 10 minutes a day, not more than that, that they say that they check in with one another. And so the questions are, what was the best moment in your day? What was the worst moment in your day? What is the support you may need for today? And you give also then the fourth you give an affirmation mm. or to your or a compliment to your partner. So the first one is, what was the best moment? And we try to do that not in terms of the relationship. We talk broader than the relationship. Um, and how we do it is each person answers one question and then the couple answers the second and the third and the fourth question. Mm. It's uh, something that when couples have integrated that they can do fairly quickly. The idea is not to get stuck and talk about the answers or ask questions. Mm. Um, You can do that afterwards. Mm. But just to stick to the question, best moment, worst moment, what support do I need, and a compliment or an affirmation. Mm. Uh, It it, it sounds like something that really needs to be planned and scheduled. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. Because if we say, um, let's do it this week sometime, it Mm. doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm. besides it being scheduled uh, in your diary as such, um, in a time when both partners are able to, 
What I think is also very, very necessary is what Suki and I found in our relationship is to create a safe space for each other mm. um, so that you can say whatever is on your heart without the fear that there's going to be some reaction. Um, you know, what are your thoughts about that, Corrie? Yes, um, I agree 100% with the scheduling, and it's non-negotiable, so that it's a decision we make to set that little time, and it's not a long time, so that's very important. Um, and again, that's a word Suki talked about, about the ritual. Mm. Uh, and, and in that time, we don't look at interrupting each other or defending, or it's, it's, we just share our heart. Um, and that's the safe place that mm. you're talking about, mm. a nurturing place, an honest place, but a nurturing place mm. where I, I I come with empathy. I come with, I care for you, but I also care for myself. So it's bringing the relationship with self and then the relationship with the other together mm. Uh, mm. in a nurturing space where I can be vulnerable. It mm. sounds like a good time to do that at night. And I know it's different for different couples, but... Maybe after we put down the screen time and we don't have that anymore to finish off the day in this nurturing situation. Um, mm. It's a, it's a mm. beautiful time. Corey, we're going to continue to talk. I think uh, we can still learn a lot from you. In uh, Next week, we're going to continue to learn more. So listeners, um, remember that the podcast is available at Into Me See. You can download this podcast straight after our talk if you want to send it to one of your friends. And remember to tune in again next week and send your comments, remarks and questions to Frederick Suki at kpulpit.co.za. Till next time. Yeah, thank you very much, Corey, and we see you next week again. God bless. Good. See you then. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hierdie insetsel is aan jou gebring dier Radio Kaamse Kansel op 729 AM. Bezoek ons gerus op www.kaapsekansel.co.za